Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. I uh, hope you're well. Thank you so much for all your lovely messages this week, sending me all of your Spotify wrapped. For anyone who doesn't know, people who listen to this podcast via Spotify get a sum up at the end of the year of what they listen to the most. And I can't fucking believe how many of you told me and sent me a little screen grab showing me that we were your number one or in your top five even still means the world to me and how many thousands of minutes you've spent with me on this learning journey of mine and my extraordinary guests, many of whom I found because of you, because you took the time to DM me and tell me about great books or great speakers. I read almost all of your messages and I'm sorry I can't respond to them all, but there are a lot. And I really, really care about making sure that this podcast serves you. And I ask the questions you want me to ask and and that I feel as though I'm covering as much territory as I can but as meaningfully as possible and so I've still got a long way to go there's still more to cover but thank you for being with me in this and for sticking with this podcast during such an unprecedentedly chaotic time I never thought anyone was going to listen no one was commuting we were all in lockdown everyone was in so much pain the news was so terrifying and to find out that we recently went over the 10 million download mark just feels astonishing to me that you stuck with us. So thanks. Big love to all of you. Um, and I have some great episodes coming up and today might be one of the best of them. I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation today with Natalie win. She is an extraordinary online voice who talks about philosophy and social dynamics and and parts of social justice even on YouTube. She's so prolific and so unique and I feel so lucky to have had her on the podcast. We even get into some very tense subjects as uh, in the past um, Natalie has not spoken always very nicely about me. But I think she's so brilliant that that didn't stop me from wanting her to come on my podcast and share all of her amazing knowledge that I and all of us could benefit from. But I do talk to her about it, which was probably quite a nerve wracking thing for both of us. But we both leaned in and had that incredibly awkward conversation as um, maturely and empathetically as we could. But it wasn't not weird. <laughs> I think both of us were a bit sweaty during that. And I did check with Natalie beforehand if she'd be willing to have that conversation with me um, just to not ambush her because I don't believe in doing that shit on my podcast. Uh, but yeah, I was a, it was a wild ride of a chat and 
We talk about so many different things. We talk about the experience of speaking out when you have a lot of visibility online. I mean, Natalie is a trans woman. And so you can imagine her speaking about trans issues or really speaking about anything and being so public with so many millions of followers puts her in quite a firing line considering hostility towards trans people. And she discusses it so clearly and so well and beautifully. We both talk about the experience of going through big life discoveries and changes publicly. And we really dive into cringe culture and why it's so powerful. And, you know, I'm quite cringe. (laughs) So I definitely fall into cringe culture. I'm sure many of us do. And uh, it was really fascinating about really understanding our beliefs around cringe and how it makes us operate and all of the online discussion around cringe, it's really, really, really powerful the way that she breaks it down. We discuss the similarities between fat phobia and transphobia. We talk about why laughing at photos of celebrities is how we process envy. And we really just kind of try to get to the core of vulnerability and humanity in this episode. We were really, really raw with each other in this episode and I think it's super special and I love it when women come together and have real talk I think it's always really exciting so I hope you enjoy this episode please let me know if you do follow Natalie Wynn online she goes under the name ContraPoints and she will blow your mind but as a starter you can fall in love with her like I did right here Natalie Wynn, off of ContraPoints. How are you? Welcome to Iway. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Um, I'm thrilled to have you here. And uh, I have been a fan of yours for a while. And I have learned so much from your content. And so I guess that's kind of why I wanted you to come onto my show today to kind of share what you know in your own inimitable way of putting it, because I would never be able to repeat all of these um, incredibly detailed things that you do. Would you mind explaining what ContraPoints is to my listeners who may not yet be following you? I will certainly try. Um, Consequence <laughs> is a YouTube channel that I made back in 2016. It has kind of evolved a lot over the last five years, but basically it's a response to uh, internet discourse, I guess. And so I've tried to make it a channel that in a sort of long form video essay format will explore Topics like, I guess, you know, some of the most popular videos I've done are about incels or about, you know, when in 2017, I would talk about the alt-right, this like rise of like far-right nationalist stuff, like stuff that was going on on social media at the time. Uh, Lately, I'll talk about uh, more, I think, sort of, I kind of have more freedom now so I can talk about things that aren't necessarily as clickbaity. I made a video called Cringe. It's just about the idea of, of cringing, which is a big part of a lot of internet subcultures. Oh, I we're so going to get into it because oh, I, yeah, I've yeah, seen that course. video three times now. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I did it just the last video, most recent video I did is about envy, which mm-hmm. and it ended up being like 90 minutes long. I c- kind of just started it because I, I just noticed that this seemed to be this like unspoken part of a dynamic that goes on a lot on social media 
but then the minute I sort of started peeling back layers on envy as a video topic, I realized like, oh God, I've accidentally like tapped into the core of human nature. And now I have not, not a 16,000 word script and 90 minute video to say about envy. And and to hear this, one might think, hmm. oh, it sounds like a lot. 90, 90 minutes on envy or on cringe or like on incels lot. just feels like a lot. And it is a lot, but it's it's constantly entertaining not just because of the content that you've compiled it's honestly like I said to you when we spoke over the phone that felt like kind of mini doctorates that you're handing in every couple of months on the internet but they're also beautifully shot so your energy and like infused with humor and like kind of almost mini sketches uh and it just feels very like of the moment and so uh the question I had for you to start with is is how has it changed your life because contrapoints is a fucking massive and avid following (laughs) Yeah, it has changed my life in a way that I had is sort of so beyond what I ever imagined would happen that it's it's I'm still kind of personally catching up with what has happened to my life. I mean, I began this channel a year after dropping out of a PhD program. I was getting a PhD in philosophy and I guess I, I got about two years through enough to get a master's degree, but I, I realized, you know, I don't belong in academia. Not really. This is not what I want to do. Um, like you said, I, 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 my videos, I, I try to make them entertaining because I think that at, at heart, I'm an entertainer. That's what I really want to do. And so I'll take these topics. I've kind of, I've found a way to make philosophy into entertainment without, I hope, dumbing it down too much. So I, I try not to condescend to the audience. Um, I I don't cut things out. I don't make it short form. I'll go 90 minutes on a topic. But I also have an acute sense of the fact that I'm doing this online and I'm competing with the rest of YouTube, drama channels, makeup, video games, things that are at at face value more entertaining. So I try to, I keep up with those things. But yeah, the the channel now has what 1.5 million followers. I am, I think in the top 20, like best funded Patreon accounts. So like, yeah, it's completely changed my life. I was an Uber driver six years ago and now I, you know, I just bought a house and like, (laughs) it's all from this like YouTube channel that sort of evades description. (laughs) And also, also it's, it's a, I think it's a good example of someone just following their own instincts and not doing what everyone else is doing and finding the gap in the market and filling it with something like incredibly authentic and, and, and out there. And I think that that's, I'm so happy to see how well you're doing, but I also know that with that visibility in particular for a trans person and you are um, a a member of that community and now like a huge role model in that community. I was also wondering like what this amount of visibility and success is like for you in that way. I imagine Uh, a mixed bag. Very mixed. Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's a level of sort of life security that comes with being a public figure and having, in my case, a stable income, which is that's honestly the best part. Like, I guess fame is bad. <laughs> like, I don't enjoy it. I, I used to think that I would. I imagined that I would. But being, especially when you're sort of this mascot for a marginalized community, uh, it's it's not good. 
it has an incredibly negative effect on my life. Um, not to get too, like, it's hard to complain about this because it's like, oh, it's really a struggle that for me that I can't, that I, that I, it's it's really hard for me that I'm famous. Like, like no one sympathizes with that and fair enough. But the truth is that it is hard in ways that I think uh, are sort of hard to imagine until it happens to you. I think you'd find that this is actually quite, it's quite a sensitive audience and it's not about yeah. the classic side of fame. Um, you know, like this isn't, TMZ like this is I think we're all aware of like the Free Britney documentary and and all of the stories we've heard from multiple different people we've seen celebrities take their lives it's not like a, a oh woe is me for the by a mile more rip, more um, privileged members of society but it's also an understanding that I think it's really important for young people for a start who are told that fame will make you happy to hear stories of the fact that there's a huge flip side to that existence and also I think a lot of people can relate to the idea that that not feeling safe all the time, feeling uh, scapegoated for things and feeling uh, judged, etc. All these different things can be um, having your privacy taken away from you. These things can be uh, alienating and a little bit painful and weird. And it's almost like sometimes further alienating because you, of course, understandably feel like you can't really talk to that many people about it. It's just it's just odd. It's an odd, surreal, non-humane, like it, sh- it, sh- it shouldn't really be a part of our society. Yeah, it's, it it's, it's lonely, I guess is the st- most paradoxical thing about it, is that you have, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people interested in hearing what you have to say and interested in your life and talking about you. But at the same time, it, it sort of alienates you from other people in this way that, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's very hard for me because I'm sort of alienated from other people by a lot of different things. It's weird. It's a weird thing to be trans. It's not something that most people can relate to, um, that it it puts you at a distance from people. And then I can't really, I'm, I'm, I really struggle to have relationships with other trans people because of this weird position that I'm in with respect to that. Can you explain that to me? Can you explain that to me? I think, um, I think that for a lot of trans people, there's not a lot of visibility. Um, uh, You know, so there's not a lot of role models. So whoever shows up becomes the role model. Um, And I think that there's kind of a generation of trans people who watched me come out on YouTube. I basically transitioned in public, which is a terrible, terrible mistake. But, you know, that's in the past. Do you feel that is, do you feel that it was a terrible mistake even now looking back on it? I do, yeah. I think um, I think what I should have done is vanish for for two or three years and come back as a different person. Uh, obviously, people would have found out. You know, it's not like that. You know, it's not like I would I would I would know would know I was trans. That's that's not what I'm saying. Um, but it's just that it's super I, vulnerable. Yeah, I put a lot of stuff in public that maybe should not have been in public, and I think that to some trans people it was sort of inspiring. Um, many people have told me such, but it also put me on this pedestal for, for those people. They wanted me to be their role model and they wanted me to be their representative. So, and in some sense, that's why I say it's like being a mascot. Um, I'm not just representing myself. Every time I speak in public, uh, for a while, it was like I was speaking on behalf of this entire marginalized group. And I can't, no one, no one person could possibly do that, right? And a lot of ways I have, yeah. yeah, and I have a lot of privileges that a lot of trans people don't have. And so, you know, the, the, when I started saying things that people disagreed with, 
it was, it was, it was not just about, it was not just disagreement. It was like treason. I was betraying them and betraying the kind of uh, investment of their own emotions and identification that they'd put in me. And so they reacted to it like it was a betrayal, like a friend betraying you. Um, and, and part of that has to do with the way that we've, there's an illusion, right? Especially I think on YouTube where it's like, it's kind of inherently an intimate medium. You're speaking to this camera. If you watch a YouTube video, you, you feel like you're in a room with someone who's speaking to you. It's very personal and you kind of form this delusion that you know this person. And so when they do something that hurts you, um, hurts your feelings or, or you feel like you disagree with, it's not just, oh, I don't agree with that. You know, let's talk about this. It's you've, you've, you've turned your back on me. Like you've betrayed me as a, as a quote unquote friend. Um, wow. So it's an intensely, ne- like ne- an intensity to the reaction to that, that was, it took a long time for me to sort of understand what was happening. And how did that make you feel? Uh, I mean, there was a period where it, it got in- extremely dark for me. <laughs> like I felt, uh, you know, there, there was a period of, where I basically did a couple things in a row that I would say the community at large was upset with me about. One was a tweet that was kind of badly worded about preferred pronouns. Can't relate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other was I, I, you know, publicly associated with a person that, another trans person who is sort of very controversial and disliked. And these two things uh, in in the same couple of months basically made me for a while like a t- complete pariah among the internet trans community. And uh, yeah, I don't know, things got dark, like th- th- then COVID happened. I mean, I, be- I mean, I don't, I don't know how dark we and, and serious we want to get about this, but I- You can I've get spoken. serious as you, you can, yeah, talk, yeah. you can speak as openly as, I mean, these, I, these I mean, poor listeners have heard all of my shit. <laughs> yeah, I've spoken publicly about like, you know, I- spent a lot of quarantine as an opiate addict. And some of that is related to feelings of like, I I am alone. Um, And this awful paradox of visibility and loneliness that I feel like uh, I really kind of trapped myself. (laughs) I understand. Uh, But it also, it happens really, uh, it happens really fast. Like obviously I can't, uh, I can't relate from the point of view of being uh, a trans person who's become visible and then also gone through some of the things that you've gone through so publicly. But I definitely can relate to being a public figure who's looked at as a representative and like all these different kind of intersections in particular. I mean, at one point I was being hailed as a representative of all women, which was a terrible mistake. Yeah, good Because I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> fuck about shit. Uh, but also, um, and never profess to. Uh, yeah. but also then like South Asians because there are very very yeah. few there are yeah. you know five of us I don't know where Aziz Ansari's gone so like you know it's like it's <laughs> so of you, yeah. there's very few of us is kind of holding down the mm. fort here and so you know I, I will frequently get messages from sort of Gen Z South Asians being like oh I can't believe she's our representation and I'm like I agree I agree yeah. I don't think that this should be the way either I don't think I'm cut out for being the representative for all South Asians. I'm just figuring shit out myself and didn't expect any of this. And I definitely don't consider myself an example of what a great South Asian is. I'm just a, I'm a mess with, um, 
with uh, who's just I'm a mess who's just trying. Well, you're a human <laughs> being, right? And yeah. people people want perfection, <laughs> and yeah. I think, or, or they don't even want perfection because people don't agree on what perfection is, right? They want you to be their representative, but the problem is that you couldn't possibly be everyone's representative because everyone's different. So. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's an impossible expectation, of course. You can yeah. if you're completely silent. That's, That's the, the best trick. That helps. That's yeah. like the, like, you know, the kind of, yeah. or at least like relatively silent and extremely careful. So kind of like Zendaya yeah. or Keanu Reeves or like kind of, <laughs> the, there, are, there are certain people who are, who when they are faves, like real faves, like true unproblematic faves, like Tom Hanks, another example of someone who just doesn't like, he just doesn't get, they just don't get involved. And more power to them and that then people are then able to project onto you the idea that you are their representative and there's nothing that you do or say that can uh discount that or discredit that belief do you know what i mean it's funny that you use those examples because i i've thought those exact same examples myself like tom hanks (laughs) keanu reeves the two people that the internet seems to just love uh, without a complicated mixture of it's it's like when almost every other public figure is shrouded in this nebula of rage and controversy Mm -hmm. like there's a couple people who aren't and yeah the, the one common factor does to be seem to be this like sphinx-like stoical silent distance or they just don't come they don't say things they don't say their opinions there's not they're not they're not hopping on instagram live to, to, to clear the air they're not they're not sending out tweets about their feelings they're not weighing in on issues and so it's po- right it's possible. coming out on twitter in my case right. or coming out on youtube in your case right <laughs> yes and and i think that that's I I don't I, I I constantly and I constantly envy their lives, but I also just can't yeah. shut the fuck up. Same. I just can't I can't seem to just shut the fuck Same. up, even when I promise myself that I will. I just can't because I love I love this. I love learning. I love communicating with people. It's not that I'm speaking to be heard. I'm speaking to be a part of a conversation I want to have so that I can learn. Like I'm never trying. I think people have this opinion of me. I mean, you had this opinion of me right like that I maybe you did but like I speak from this place of like this is my answer everyone hear me now and I'm like standing at Mustafa's rock in Lion King in my head and like the kingdom is bowing down to me (laughs) and like the birds are singing uh that's not how it goes like I'm normally um just uh in my bed trying something out just wanting to have a conversation and I think I'm starting a conversation but it's always taken as this fucking arrogant bitch is on one again telling us how to live this elite smug liberal snowflake snowflake is like wagging her finger down at us mere mortals and uh, and she's gotten it wrong how dare she and I'm like oh fuck I can see how this misunderstanding has happened but it it never ceases to break my heart a bit not because I uh, want or expect to be liked, but just because being uh, misunderstood so um, radically <laughs> is sad. Do you know what I mean? And I, we, we spoke on the phone, we'll just get this out of the way now, but like when I was watching one of your videos, as a big fan of yours, uh, there's a moment where for a couple of minutes you take a big pop at me uh, in your more recent video about envy because of a, a tweet that I, not a tweet, an Instagram reply that I'd done of course, in hindsight, I can see how it was misconstrued. 
but it feels as though people were seeking to misconstrue it more than was necessary. <laughs> oh, uh, no, com- yeah, I completely sympathize with you. And I understand, I mean, like I felt the same dynamic myself where it is like this kind of surreal horror of watching your real self be replaced in the public eye by this caricature version that you have no control over and have your every word sort of spun out into this like strange, like sinister alternate reality. Uh, so I, I do feel... I do feel like I maybe maybe owe you a little bit of an apology because I kind of did allow in that video to show you through that. I mean, so the video was about envy. And in my perception, one reason why you seem to to trigger like a high level of social media outrage is that, uh, well, I I don't know how to say this. many reasons. I'm annoying. (laughs) You you seem to be like, you you also seem like on in in a number of different areas to be like, fairly close to perfect <laughs> and i know that's so, so not that's so, so not true of course it's not okay, true fine, I, of course it's not true <laughs> like, sorry, I really you no, like you're not perfect <laughs> and no one's perfect but like i feel like from the perspective of envy it seems like um i mean i kind of even felt this a little bit like before i started actually talking to you <laughs> is that you seem <laughs> like you seem like beautiful and successful and and sort of morally very sincere and and all these combinations it's like well i think it makes people cross their arms and be like it's almost like they want you to to fuck up because that would (laughs) they want to see you fail because it's irritating that you're not that you're too good or like so like i took um I mentioned, I mentioned this on the phone. Like I took a screenshot of a, a YouTube comment from, from my envy video where someone, someone said, look, I don't envy rich people. I think it's fine that Bill Gates has all his money. That's not the problem. My problem is that not only does he want to be rich, does he get to be rich? He also has this charitable foundation and he does all this good work in the world. And he thinks that he gets to be seen as a good person too. That's what really makes me mad. It's not that he has money. It's that on top of that, he's also virtuous. And that's what really like upsets me. And it's like, totally. it's like fascinating. That, it is to- no, that is totally yeah. a part of our culture, I think, that mm-hmm. we're deeply suspicious and like rightfully suspicious in particular of public figures. There's an extra layer of suspicion that we probably reserve for women because since the story of Adam and Eve, women have just been these fucking manipulative bitches who've ruined everything for poor, innocent men. You know, we've just messed everything up for men in all big action movies until recently. The woman is the inconvenience who makes the mistake and the man has to clear up for her and defend her and defend himself. Uh, You know, we are just known societally to be this uh, um, manipulative, dishonest nightmare. Uh, However, I just, while I appreciate what you're saying, I also think that I I personally, it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm not being reductive in saying that I also know that when I get into trouble, it's not as simple as people want me to fuck up and uh, people are jealous of me. It's also sometimes I do genuinely just put my foot in my mouth and I should do better from a position of like power. Uh, so I do also want to make sure that I own that. Um, yeah, no, well, I think there's like, you can, you can, we can try to strike a middle ground between saying like, everyone who hates me is just jealous losers and say, and saying on the other hand, like, because, because obviously like there is, a, a big responsibility that comes along with having a platform and having a voice and being listened to by a lot of people. And it's important that people in that position can be criticized. Um, but I guess the problem is that I, I see a lot of the criticism that happens toward public figures, it kind of 
it's not constructive, right? It's it's this rage about the person having the platform. And mm. it's not really a, you know, and, and people try to convince themselves that what they're mad at is a person misusing the platform, but it's really the platform itself that I think some, and it's again, not everyone. There's, there's, there's people who, again, there is, there is good faith criticism. I mean, I get good faith criticism all the time. Uh, mm. One, one, two, and I'm, and I'm like, I welcome it. Like it's, you know, you need someone, you need someone pushing back against you. Otherwise, yeah, man. you know, you, be, you, you, you become a monster, <laughs> but um, it's 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 somehow easier to pay attention to people who are not being good faith, right? Because it, it, it's sort of I don't know. I think people think that there must be some follower count that you reach where your feelings stop being hurt, but that is in fact mm. not the case. And actually, you're, you're, I, I mean, at least I find that like it still does get to me when people are are saying you know are being really harsh about me or, or, or I feel like twisting my words or mischaracterizing me or mm-hmm. caricaturing me, it hurts. And it's, it's easy to like fixate on that wound you know, instead of engaging with, with the people who are being more constructive. Totally. And also like you bringing up my appearance probably is fitting right now because of the, what the actual comment was just for Anyone who's listening to this who doesn't remember this, although it was yeah. quite big, and then the, the Daily Mail ripped me a new arsehole over this comment that I made. But basically, <laughs> someone said to me, but this is what triggered off this whole, what you're now hearing between yeah. me and Natalie, is someone wrote, uh, your skin is so perfect. And then she made a really sad face emoji. And I did what I always do, what I've always done, which is just always say the same thing, which is, like my skin is currently clear because a privileged people have more access to good quality nutrition and also our lives are significantly less stressful than the lives of those with less privilege. I also get to sleep more because of this. All of these things keep my hormones in balance and I'm able to address food intolerances easily. B, I believe that trans rights are human rights with a smiley face. And then C, I exfoliate twice a week. So I, I meant this in a very tongue in cheek way. Like it was like all the emojis and the fact that I'd said that trans rights are human rights as, as the second step of my skincare. I pre- I just presumed people would know that I was making a point, but also being very flippant and silly with it. And it got, ta- like, it got taken so fucking badly <laughs> by the internet where they were just like, why couldn't she just say fucking thank you and move on? And I'm like, well, because... I think it's a good conversation to have. Like, I think we are long on overdue the conversation of holding fucking actresses and models up as the example of what uh, women who live much more stressful lives with much less access to the fucking nonsense that we have are expected to like, live up to us. And then they airbrush us on the cover of magazines. You know, when we were talking on the phone, I was like, I can't believe that women in their 50s are looking at Nicole Kidman's airbrushed face on the cover of a magazine who's also got the personal trainers and like whatever to keep her in a certain condition. And they're feeling bad about themselves being like, well, we're the same age. We've grown up alongside each other. I've quote unquote, let myself go. And I just think that's so toxic. Should I have probably done it in a video rather than a a comment back, which is subject to being taken out of context? Yes. But I think I didn't understand the bad faith of the internet that I have now started to understand massively with help from you, not just because you took the piss out of me as well <laughs> and presented my declaration of this in Tahani's voice, <laughs> which, I, which I will never forgive you for. <laughs> but uh, I... I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was so offended by your portrayal of how I said it. But, uh, but your video about cringe culture... 
mm. has helped me like really understand why that was taken out of context, why so many things we see get taken out of context. And I'm just dying to talk to you about it. This video is so exceptional, Natalie, that it should win all of the awards. Uh, I, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, um, it has clarified so much to me about our, our common culture that I would love to just kind of, can I just grill you about it a little bit so you can just help me explain it to everyone? Absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, and we're over the bit where we've talked about that other shit and we're all can good. I, can I say okay, one more yeah, thing about that? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, so of course you can. I, when you left that Instagram comment, I found about I found out about this whole thing from Twitter and watching the <laughs> the, 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 the the hurricane that surrounded this Instagram comment on Twitter. Yeah. And it, it was fascinating to me. I was like, this is... Like it is like that. This is what people are so mad about. Is wild to me, and it's so I screenshotted everything. It went straight in the folder for like we're going to discuss this at some point. And that's the next year I was doing. Oh no! And, well, because you no, know, it was interesting because I honestly, I actually do not think that you did anything wrong. Like I think that. But then why um, did you frame it that way, Natalie? Well, I framed it that way because the point that I was I was I was building to in that section was about how. It's not really about you having done something wrong. It's about like the quote unquote optics of it. Okay. And by optics, what we really seem to mean is the way that it makes people feel. So, uh, you know, even though you were saying all the all things that are true, and and again, like I think that you isn't that what we say that we want, right? Like we we always say that, why can't celebrities acknowledge that they have this privilege and why can't celebrities, you're doing all the Be things transparent, people, yeah, right? yeah. and checking your privilege and all, and all this stuff that we're supposed to do. But I think that sort of audiences um, are sort of uncertain about actually what it is that they want, because I think that in a way you're sort of laying out the reasons why you have an unfair advantage is actually just sort of kind of see, putting a, a magnifying mm -hmm. glass on the unfair advantage, which then causes people to feel stung by the by the advantage that you have. Hundred percent. And and so it's not it's in a way like your honesty about it is being taken as a provocation by people. Um, but I think that's something that. But how do we I have that conversation then? Yeah. Like how do how. Because who's going to have that conversation, right? When people who don't look a certain mm. way, who aren't invited onto the cover of Vogue or whatever, mm. try and have that conversation, they are called bitter. I know that as someone yes, yes. who was considered unattractive by the media and told that I was bitter every time I would try and say that these these standards are unacceptable. And then now that I have been on the cover of Vogue and I am suddenly deemed attractive by the media or society, uh, I'm now uh, considered too, you know, whatever, like pretty privileged to be able to have a conversation. So who then has that conversation about how fucked the, like the lies of this industry are about the fact that they fucking, you know, they have anti-aging creams where they airbrush the adverts. Like who's going to have that conversation? I feel as though it's my responsibility to make sure that I keep reminding people, this is all bullshit. This is a part of my job that is fantasy. I mean, people are having... I heard the other day about oxygen facials. Have you heard about that? It's a $250 facial where they pump oxygen into all of your pores and you look very fresh for fucking 24 hours. That's it. $250 to just put to get that... Some... Just, just to look, feel like... like just... 
we're being women like me are used as a weapon against people who don't have all of the lights and the camera and the makeup artists and the bollocks and so I want to be able to have that conversation but I also don't want to like sting anyone or trigger anyone I just feel like I'm in a bit of a I feel like I'm in a bit of a, a bind well, I think there's a version of the problem you're describing with a lot of different issues. I mean, even just like wealth inequality, for example, like, okay, yeah. if people who, if if people who are poor complain about income inequality, you know, it's very easy to say, well, people will say, well, you're just better work harder, blah, 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 stop being mm-hmm. lazy. You know, why are you trying to punish success? But if people who have money start talking about, oh no, we should be paying more taxes, like uh, AOC wearing the, you know, tax the rich dress at the Met Gala, People say the hypocrisy, you have money and yet you want tax for the wealthy. Like, you know, so it's like, is anyone allowed to say, to question income inequality from that, from the perspective of someone who opposes it? No, because either it's bitterness or it's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when it comes to like uh, the sort of, it, the snowballing uh, pretty privileges, like you said, that, that that accrue to to, you know, women who have, the access to oxygen facials or whatever it is, whatever it is this mm-hmm. month. Um, yeah, I think that the same dynamic happens where if, if ordinary people compl- you know, complain that, that these, these are un- they're being held to these unrealistic beauty standards, it's you get called bitter. And then if it gets highlighted by people who, you know, are public figures, it's part of your job to participate in this, right? Then you get called a hypocrite or you get called, uh, you know. Yeah. And it's also important just to highlight that like 300,000 people liked my comment and agreed with what I was yeah. saying. Right. It wasn't everyone. Like most people took course, it in yeah. good faith. Uh, if the internet didn't, if you didn't like necessarily, and I know you weren't trying to do it in bad faith, but you did to 3 million people perpetuate the worst side, the worst That's version so- of me. You bastard. But <laughs> you know what? It's fine. I've actually, I've been through this, the same thing. I uh, I slut shamed loads of really big famous singers when I was younger and then had to meet all of them and and say sorry. <laughs> so that's well, much worse than you, what you has happened kind of like, here. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I still have to get used to this idea that like, I can't just talk about people anymore because I they know. will find out. <laughs> They will find out. They will find out. And it's the worst fucking feeling. It's like, oh. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal. 
that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. There's something deeper to all of this. And I think that's kind of what I'm interested in in the world of kind of cringe. I'd never thought about it until I'd watched your video. And again, I was highly skeptical. I was like, what is she doing? Why has she made such... How much is she going to milk out of the subject of cringe? But it's so innate to our society. So will you describe what cringe is? We know, but can you just describe? So cringe is when it's, it's I guess you could describe it as kind of feeling of secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. Um, and there's a sort of a lot of variance on that feeling. Um, I, I guess I got a lot of sort of conceptual clarity in researching this video from this book called uh, Cringeworthy by Melissa Dahl. Um, and I guess she she describes this like two types of cringing. There's like compassionate cringe where you sort of empathically feel the embarrassment of someone. Um, you know, like if you're watching, uh, you know, bad American Idol auditions is an example that I, I use a lot. Like where someone is just, you know, they're getting dragged by Simon Cowell or whatever. Just their their performance is terrible. Um, you feel embarrassed for them. Um, and then there's this other thing, which she calls contemptuous cringe, which is something a little bit more sadistic, where you're sort of enjoying someone's humiliation and downfall. And I feel like, I feel these are like completely different things, actually, but they're sort of related to, they're both like emotional reactions. Yeah. The difference is kind of when you can see someone is embarrassed as well, because you talk about like, Part of cringe being, and so sorry if I paraphrase this wrong, but part of cringe being kind of like, let's say you do something that makes you cringe. It's because you have suddenly been confronted with other people's perception of you for the first time. And you bring up like the the very like relatable example of hearing your own voice you know, and like how much that makes people uncomfortable. They're like, oh, fuck, is this what people oh God, hear? Oh God, I really stupid. When I talk, like I that. sound, yeah, yeah, yeah I thought yeah. I sounded so different cringe, in my head. Yeah, yeah cringe. Or yeah. like, you know, I've fallen mm. over in front of all of these people and they've all yeah. seen. Um, and so uh, it's that kind of uh, stark 
kind of reckoning and awakening of like, oh God, this is my perception outside of myself. I had no idea and it's embarrassing. Um, but when it's someone else, if, if they can rec, if you can see that they know it's embarrassing, then you're more likely to feel kind of compassionate cringe. And if you see someone who is wholly unaware that what they're doing is kind of socially unacceptable in some way or bad or they're bad at singing but they're super confident and bullshit with it uh probably a lot of the way that people see me is like someone who has no idea that they're being embarrassing whereas I really understand how embarrassing I am I really (laughs) I really get it (laughs) Um, uh, I think then it's more likely to incite if you see someone is incredibly hyper confident and um sure of themselves and maybe a bit arrogant or smug then you're more likely to feel contemptuous cringe correct I think that's right yeah yeah and you you talk about the fact that maybe some part of cringing is a good thing can you explain that well I think there's a couple ways that it's sort of a helpful it can be a helpful feeling one is that uh it is you know, sometimes like pain, we have pain for a reason, right? It tell, it's like, it's a warning sign or it tells you don't do that again. So in a way it's, it helps with social cohesion. Like if you, you cringe at yourself or you cringe at someone else, uh, I mean, actually, I think you sort of learn socially acceptable behavior in part through cringe, like watching the failures of others. Like if you see like people making fun of someone, this is very middle school, right? Like you think, oh, I don't want to be like that. Don't, I don't want to be. So it's how we learn social cues. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially when it comes to things that are sort of subtle. Um, So there's explicit social rules, you know, about like, uh, well, like social rules about gender, who goes in what bathroom. These are like, these are, there's Mm -hmm. rules about this. And then it's more subtle things. How loud are you supposed to talk in a given setting, you know, if someone's talking way too loud at a restaurant, that's the kind of thing. There's not really a rule about it. You're just supposed to be uh, perceptive enough to pick up on the correct volume to speak. But someone who's being loud and embarrassing, you might cringe at, and that kind of teaches you, don't do that. I, I have mixed feelings about it. And I had mixed feelings while I was watching your video about it, because I also feel like sometimes, especially like almost now more than ever, it feels like, uh, and I can only really say this because I've not really been alive at any other time, but mm. I feel as though we are too self-conscious about everything. And that's exactly the kind of thing people would think I would say, because uh, I have no fucking <laughs> boundaries. Um, but I do, I do also think that like, I don't know, there's a part of me that wonders if all of these, like who gets to decide on all of these social cues. I know that there are basic kind of etiquette things that are important to be like polite and considerate of others, but there's a lot of fucking rules now, especially for women, especially for women online. There is so, there is such a thin line, a thin, like fragile line that you have to walk uh, in order to be just, just absolved from an absolute uh, like onslaught it's, and this isn't just famous women. I'm talking about if you're in school, if you work in an office, like you work in a bank, like wherever you are at in your life as a woman, but also as everyone, everyone has just got so many rules to live up to. Is there a part of that that you think is also stifling to us? Because I think we have too many fucking rules. Well, I think that cringe becomes this like pretty tyrannical enforcer of social conformity. Um, so that's like the negative side of it, right? Yeah. And, and this video, I kind of end up like chasing the, I think most of the video is about like the darker aspect of oh, it. 100%, rather, yeah, 100%. Rather than the way that it's helpful. And at the, ultimately, like anyone who is different or who is sort of a nonconformist will get 
sort of categorized as cringe. I mean, and so I, I investigate, I like spend time, like, like pulling all these examples from uh, like subreddits that are about cringe. There's all, there's all this one like r slash cringe. There's one called Cringetopia. Some of them are worse than others. Videos that have like millions yeah. of views that I wasn't yes. aware of about just like cringe compilations. Yes. But like the, the number of things that are considered cringe, I mean, you notice a pattern. Okay. Being fat is considered cringe. Being autistic yeah. is considered cringe. Being trans, mm. cringe. Being overly gay, cringe. Being, you know, and it's like you, you pretty quickly pick up on the fact it's like, oh, this is actually just enforcing it's enforcing conformity and it's, inf- it's enforcing a pretty conservative view, uh, you know, that is, uh, it's repressive. Right. And, and, and also I think it's, you know, if you get too worried about people cringing at you, I mean, almost anything truly worth doing or anything that involves like sincerity or real expressions of emotion or, ple- or fun or pleasure, like that gets considered to be cringe. Passion, yeah. passionate interests are called cringe, right? The least cringe thing, I suppose, is to adopt this attitude of bored, aloof indifference. Yeah. But um, that... And desensitized. Know, yeah, yeah, desensitized is... Ironic, cool. unin- detached, disavowed of, all, of anything that matters and anything that you would care about. Like, I think that that's a kind of... And some people do like adopt that kind of persona online or offline, right? Of a detached, ironic, sort of mocking above it all persona because that's, it's defensive is what that is. You're trying to protect yourself from ridicule. You're trying to protect yourself from seeming embarrassing or from se- for seeming cringe, but it comes at the cost of getting any sincere feelings or passions. I think when you analyze it, it that itself turns out to be a very fearful life if that's how you live right it is is you you live in fear of being judged and i think to sort of look at that to consider i mean there's been times in my life when i kind of adopted a persona like that um and there's been years of my life that i've wasted in shame and in fear of what other people would think and fear of what i would think about myself um and i think that ultimately i i you have to sort of negotiate there's times, you know, you have to just be cringe because it's worth it. Like, yeah. Because it's, uh, and I think, I mean. I notice well, you like, mm. you check yourself constantly throughout your videos, like constantly whenever yeah. you are, not always, but like as in when it's not appropriate, but mm-hmm. it, I don't mean this in any way as a criticism. I like I identify with it fully and I probably do it every single week on this podcast, but there's a kind of um, hyper self-awareness in your videos where you are like almost like shadow boxing sometimes where you're like, yeah. I know I do this or I know you probably think that about me or I'm so embarrassing. There's a kind of like, there are these kind of like uh, sub thoughts that you let us into where you are never pointing the finger at someone else without already preempting that someone might then accuse you of hypocrisy. So you're already kind of like, has that come from being on the internet and just being so hyper scrutinized that now you're kind of like, fuck it, I know, I know, you can't say it because I've already said it. I think so. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if anyone receives more direct feedback per day than a YouTuber. <laughs> like the yeah. amount of, I mean, it, I, I've seen people kind of go mad. I don't basically. know anything about that world. Yeah. I'd like, um, I, I, I started YouTube for about 10 minutes last year and failed. <laughs> so I think it's not that different from, you know, things that you have experienced, would experience on Twitter or other social right, media. Yeah. But if, you know, with, with YouTube, with video, like every aspect of what you do will be criticized. So, you know, 
are you talking too fast? Are you talking too slow? Are you too loud? Are you too soft? Like why? Like there's, 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 there's a thousand, like, you know, it's not just what you're saying. It's the way you're saying it, the way you look saying it, the, you know, environment like death by that a you're thousand in, cuts. right? Yeah, is, is is your is the apartment that you're filming in? Is it really sad and depressing, or is it showoffy and opulent in a weird flex? Or like like where's the middle ground? Like there's a million you get, and you get so much feedback, so many thousands of comments about yourself and about how you look and your voice and you, you know where you live and and uh, the style of your presentation. Yeah, and a lot of it comes from even the people that you're like. Uh, that you share a community with. And that's like, yeah. it's quite a specific pain when the, the very people that you like want to feel close to, like we expect certain amounts of shit from, I imagine you expect, and I hate this for you, but I imagine just like I get a lot of racists, you probably have had some experience with transphobic people, not to be presumptuous, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They they are uh, they're lively on the internet. They're very, um, yeah, very, very interested. Yeah. Very, I mean, if I get this much yeah. shit just for, for, uh, just speaking up in like uh, solidarity with trans liberation. I can't, I, I truly cannot imagine what you go through and, and, um, and I'm sorry about that. Well, yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's, an, it's another incessant thing that's kind of been going on for, for years and my brain is definitely kind of broken from it. And, and it's true that again, like you, it's coming from all sides and in all kinds of weird contradictory ways, because on the one hand, you have all these people being like, oh, you'll never be a woman. Like you obviously look like a man. You obviously sound like a man. We can all see that you're a man. Like stop, like you're delusional, like stop it. And on the other hand, you have people being like, oh, like ContraPoints doesn't understand what it's like to be trans because she passes too well. She can't possibly represent us because blah, 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 blah. And she looks like, mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, so it's like opposite complaints constantly coming at you. <laughs> But also we kind of, and I don't think one ever gets used to it, but one can yeah. kind of, ex, one comes to expect, at least this is what my trans friends have said, right? When it comes mm -hmm. to specifically this, that you come to expect it from certain people, that what takes you by surprise and really hurts your feelings, and I don't know if you identify with this, is when it comes from your own where the hyper scrutiny where you're like, oh, fuck, like, fuck, you know how hard yeah. this is. Like, you are living a similar experience to me. We're in this shit together. Like, we're all fighting for the same liberation. Why are you coming for me harder sometimes than the very people who would like me not to exist? Does that, does that represent anything you feel? Absolutely. Like, I think, I mean, I think part of it is just that trans people themselves can be transphobic and often are. Like, no, because, uh, this, this is the thing I think a lot of people kind of don't get is that being the target of bigotry does not really exempt you from being a bigot in, in your own way, right? And so like we all have this stuff, we all deal with it and like I, we all sort of internalize it to some extent. And so, I mean, I think, I'm sure you could apply this to all kinds of different people, but I think that there's a kind of tension that sometimes exists in relationships that I that I have with other trans women, you know, fr fr friendships or more than friendships even, where like part of the tension comes from the fact that like there's a kind of like there's a you almost had to process the kind of self hatred through this other person who becomes part of your own self hatred or you become part of their self hatred. I mean, have you ever done that with another trans person where you've externalized your own self hatred through Absolutely. them? I mean, I mean, I've yeah. done it with all the women that I slut shamed. And of course, again, yeah, and yeah. if any of them yeah. are listening, I'm still very sorry. Um, no, like you I'll, I'll like. Uh, I mean, here's just an example. Like, okay, I'll go out to dinner with another trans woman. Um, 
I feel at some point that like her her voice is clockier than mine. And like, it's what I mean by that is like, I, I feel like her voice is sounds like detectively, you know, trans. And uh, I mean, obviously mine is too, I think to, to some people, but, but people tend not usually to pick up on it, but sometimes they do. But I'll hear in, in another trans woman, I notice the signs that, you know, that become, and I sort of will feel this kind of like, cringe, I guess is the word, right? It's like, oh God, like I'm, you're, you're dragging me down to your level. And and now we're both going to, it's, it's an no, ugly, I think that's, ugly, it, ugly thing, but it's a, yeah, you're not promoting that yeah. as a good way to think. No, you're just calling just, out I've, your I've own, just, like, I've, I've noticed this, this moment happening and obviously this is not a good way to think, but not every thought or every feeling that passes through our heads is necessarily something that we endorse. But sometimes you'll notice the thought there and say, hmm, what do we do about that? So is that what you describe uh, as like vicarious embarrassment? Because I know you kind of you kind of bring this up in the cringe video yeah. where you're like, there's a part of our psychology in cringing at something um, that someone else is doing is sometimes because it reminds us of ourselves. And so we want to distance ourselves from it. Yeah. And is that correct? Can you elaborate on this? Well, I think a lot of the reason I decided to make a video about cringe in the first place was through witnessing this exact dynamic within, you know, trans communities. Um, there's, for a long time on YouTube, a lot of the most successful trans YouTubers are people whose content was, like, mostly about attacking other trans people. And people would build wow. up an entire, you know, platform. Basically, the, the framing of it is usually, like, I'm a good transgender. I'm like, like there's, there's all these, you know, trenders or all these perverts or all these, whatever, giving us a bad name. They're making us look bad. I am here to shame them and join you, the general public and laughing at these bad trans people. And I'm not like them just to be clear. I'm not like them. Okay. And that's my con. And it's like the popularity of this basically just relies on the fact that people enjoy getting to sort of gratify their transphobic feelings with a trans person leading the discussion so that they don't have to deal with the guilt of it. So, oh, I'm not being transphobic. It's fine. There's this other trans person here agreeing with me. Um, that's what the audience is getting out of it. But the, the creator, the trans creator who's doing this, what they're getting out of it is they are kind of splitting their mind in half and they're the part of themselves that they hate, they're projecting onto it a scapegoat right? Attacking the scapegoat. And then they get to feel like, oh, I'm one of the normal people. I'm not a freak like these ones. And it's, I feel like I'm able to understand what, what, what creators like this are getting out of it because I've experienced the temptation to do this myself. But I Is it think, tribalism? Um, is it, um, is it like a uh, fear of being ostracized? you know, to acquire yeah. safety. Um, so that you're like, you're, I'm in the tribe. I'm, you know, I'm aware of what the opposition, let's just call them as in uh, fucking evil transphobes, uh, are thinking. And I, I would like to be have more of a chance at being accepted by them. So I'm going to uh, cut off the, you know, the the weakling here. This one is, this one is weak. This one isn't achieving what we are supposed to achieve to just be deemed human and be accepted. So therefore I'm going to cut them loose and ostracize them. So that way I'm not the one getting ostracized. Cause I feel like that's also a pattern generally on the internet. Absolutely. I think, you know, when you point at someone and you accuse someone, you're also kind of, you're also pointing away from yourself, right? You're directing mm. the attention over there 
you're directing the spite and the scorn and the hatred over there. You're directing it away from yourself. So there, it is a very protective, defensive kind of thing. I, I think like slut shaming works in a, in a similar way, um, as you, which you mentioned earlier. So yeah, I think, and also fat yeah. shaming, by the yes. way. You notice like yeah. Khloe Kardashian recently, who's like always been, like always had a beautiful body, in my yes. opinion, regardless of what size she is. Uh, but she was always like bigger than her sisters, and also significantly taller than her sisters, mm-hmm. um, and demonized by the world for being quote unquote the fat sister. So she has recently lost a ton of weight. And then just did this viral video with a massive YouTuber about like how angry she is and like fed up she is. I think maybe she used the word disgusted, but I don't want to stand by that with my whole chest. Um, But she's like sick of people like being fat and just eating a tub of ice cream and being lazy and not doing anything about it and complaining that they're so fat. And she's just like a lot of very like fat phobic uh, rhetoric came out of her that was very like kind of like distancing herself from them, the fat people, even though she had so long identified with not being able to lose the weight that you want to lose. It just felt like very, felt very traditionally disappointing. There's a version of this kind of thinking that you see everywhere. There's like a lot of contempt or disdain for something. So definitely, I think um, I, I've definitely seen a lot of resistance to like fat acceptance kind of rhetoric from fat people themselves because they're saying, well, look, I'm not you know, it's like a, it's almost like an, oh, here's an opportunity to be above this, right? Like, at least I have the decency to hate myself um, or, or something like that, right? I've, I feel not super confident speaking about this because I, um, well, because I'm not a fat person. So, so this isn't exactly like my, my struggle to speak about, but like, I, yeah, that's absolutely, I think I've noticed in the, in the exact same way that there's a lot of parallels between being trans and being fat. And I do think that in the, the same way that a lot of trans people have this harbor this contempt for a lot of other trans people. I think a lot of fat people have this contempt for other fat people and this kind of cringing and this uh, sort of rage that's projected as you sort of like almost the, the, the all the sort of scorn and disgust and, and that and negativity that's been directed at you is this impulse to kind of like redirect at someone similar, but slightly different. Yeah. And it's an easier, I guess it's an easier target, isn't it? Because they're yeah. closer to you than you're, and it's less scary than someone who actually is seeking to dehumanize you. Someone who actually sees a bit where you're coming from is less likely to come after you with such like visceral ability. I think it's the hatred. path of least resistance, honestly, in terms of being yeah. socially accepted. Instead of like having to persuade everyone to accept you as you are is much more work than just taking their taking their prejudice as a given and just trying to work it to your benefit right that's easier it requires less um it requires like less movement of of people's opinions yeah i do feel like this a bit like just to bring it back to me if that's all right for a second natalie i just want to like just keep this going about me um but <laughs> when i when i fuck up in any way or have an awkward or a cringe moment online how much people enjoy it uh, never ceases to amaze me where I'm just like, why are you enjoying this so much? And I guess what I learned again from your cringe video is that like, and kind of what you're saying now is that when we watch someone, especially a powerful person, especially a public figure or someone who has any kind of privilege, it might just be an unknown, but kind of societally deemed hot person who has like a big boo-boo publicly. Is it that it makes us feel superior in the Because I've definitely participated in this myself. Definitely. Massive internet troll cunt, like, in the past. And I've had to learn how to 
the more I've felt what that feels like and seen it and understood it and just grown up a bit, I've stopped, the more I've stopped taking pleasure in other people's embarrassments or misfortunes. Because I recognise that like, well, I always look to find out if there are part of me that's enjoying this because it's giving me a brief sense of relief of thinking that I'm the worst. Now they are worse than me. So I get to be above them. Is it just like a desire for kind of uh, social hierarchy? I think that's a huge part of it. Absolutely. I think that cringe and envy are, are kind of very similar in this way because it's kind of cringe is looking down at people. Envy is looking at sort of bitterly up at people. Um, oftentimes they're, they're a little bit interchangeable in a, in a sort of strange way. Um, I guess both of these feelings, envy and cringe, they're both about ego, right? They're about your own position in the social hierarchy. People form their sense of self-worth based on comparing themselves to other people. So mm. when someone who you've kind of uh, envied maybe, or someone, or, or just someone who you compare yourself to fails or drops down a level or, you know, embarrasses themselves in public, has a huge scandal and it's like, ooh, right? Like I think mm-hmm. part, part of the pleasure in that is that it gives you a little ego boost to see someone else doing worse because it's like, oh, I guess guess you're not so much better than me, are you? And and that makes you feel a little better, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It makes you feel a little better. Um, yeah. Or, or if, if, I mean, even more punching down would be like, just, I mean, you see this with like the cringe, like, obsession on on the internet or on YouTube or wherever, like people, they're just going out of their way to find someone who's like worse than them to kind of enjoy this feeling of scorn because it makes them, it's like reassuring. Yeah, that's fascinating. How do we get out of that? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, oh, sorry. That's a good, no, it's a good question. I mean, I guess uh, ego, ego death, like meditation. What is ego death? What is ego <laughs> yeah, death? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think. Um, I guess the well, that'll be your next I, video. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I mean, I think uh, you know, there's a lot of like, I think like a lot of spirituality kind of has to do with with trying to free ourselves from this kind of stuff. But I think that my own personal way I've kind of tried to deal with it is is sort of um, trying to cultivate like self-awareness, I guess, is that once you understand how this works, you can understand, oh, that's what I'm doing. And I, th- I feel that, um, you know, keeping an eye on the workings of your own mind, I, I find that it helps me not let the worst parts of myself take over because I because I, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm like watching my own reactions. I'm watching my own feelings. And when I, I sort of am able to recognize a pattern like this, I know what's happening and I don't just sort of rush to rationalize what I'm feeling. Because I think that's when a lot of the stuff gets the most ugly, it's when people don't really, because it's not common, right? For, for people experiencing a kind of, kind of like, contemptuous like cringe reaction to someone else's um you know failure it's not common to be like oh i'm enjoying this person's downfall because it makes me feel subtly better about myself like that's not usually what people say usually it's it's like you know they'll give all these like reasons why it's 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 fine to feel the way they feel it's fine to enjoy this person's downfall because xyz a lot of times like morality is kind of invoked in a lazy way at this point well they deserve it right um, yeah, morality is also kind of looked uh-huh. at as a bit like cringe now. It's a bit virtue signally, a bit weak yeah. uh, some of the time. It's like you're supposed to be, uh, the person that you are criticising is supposed to be morally pure. And once they fail in being able to, pr- or like perfect, once they 
demonstrate an imperfection in that area in particular, you are now allowed, you have now got permission to lose absolutely all of your humanity and punish them to within an inch of their like sanity, right? Yeah, it's okay to be cruel to this person because they're a bad person. So actually, this is fine. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's this kind of like retributive thing. And I, you know, you see this as like a justification for bullying all the time, right? Well, it's okay that we bullied that person because they did XYZ moral transgression. Mm-hmm. People, people send me messages all the time being like, or like they at me in messages being mm-hmm. like, remember when we bullied at Jamila Jamil last year, that was fun. Can we do that again? And I'm just like, why did you track yeah. me in this? Sometimes why did you find that fun? Like, it's really like, it's like, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't make me sad anymore. It, it made me sad about a year and a half ago, but then I discovered medication. Um, no, but not just medication. I also just came to like, understand this is bigger than me. Yeah. I, to, I to like, you know, have an ego death of my own. I don't really know what ego death means, but you said it and I like the way it sounds. So I'm just like using it now without, uh, as I normally do, I speak without any expertise uh, confidently. Um, So I, uh, yeah, I had to kind of like, just be like, okay, this isn't just about me. This is a bigger like kind of system. And I think your your videos are super helpful and insightful and understanding that. And um, there's a fucking word in your video about cringe, humiliate, has the word humiliate in it. Humilitainment. Humilitainment, that that is the word. I love that word. So is that kind of what we're talking about here as well? I I think that's a lot of what, for example, goes on in tabloids, which categorizes humilitainment, where you're basically sort of creating, I mean, the Daily Mail, half of what gets (laughs) published in the Daily Mail is is humilitainment. We're, We're sort of enjoying the sort of mockery Often it is like bringing celebrities down. Like, I mean, I think I think the whole genre of like, oh, look at this celebrity's embarrassing beach body or whatever. Like, isn't that what that is? It's like I think part of what people get out of that is it's it's like not the most healthy way to deal with the same thing that you're trying to confront, which is that people feel bad, worse about themselves because they have to see all these idealized images of celebrities. But instead of like dealing with that in a more constructive way, there's like the Daily Mail way of dealing with it, which is like, oh, we get to laugh at them for once for having the well, same thoughts that we have, right? Exactly, exactly. But also it happens in schools, you know, it's like, oh, the girl who got a boyfriend, maybe before we got boyfriends, now her nudes have been leaked. Let's yeah. spread them around the entire school. Yeah. Let's share them to other schools. Like this is a whole, this goes way beyond celebrity and non, like this, like this is really like entrenched in our culture. Uh, I don't think I'm off the mark too far when I say that humilitainment is kind of like at the forefront of most entertainment now, not just because as you said, like there's like a big market for cringe, but also it feels like a bonding currency now. It feels like with the pylons, people find them fun. They find it like yeah. bonding. They 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 sometimes participate in pylons partially to signal to other people, like I'm on the right page, I'm on the right side of history here. I I know what's up and who the right person to like and who the right person to hate is. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a kind of um, social badge. No, you know, you're. I think you're totally right. I think that. Um, I think. I mean, that's kind of one of the most disturbing aspects of this to me. And I think that it's was definitely sort of what got me interested in the cringe as a topic. Is the way 
ex-cruelty interests me. Like, how do people come to mm. feel okay about enjoying the suffering of others? That's like a question that I feel like animates a lot, a lot of my videos, like cringe, envy, uh, it's like spreading around, like like, like the, these like high school examples, like spreading around another girl's nudes, like is a, like a terribly cruel thing to do. How do how do people come to enjoy this? How do they live? live I know I don't have that in themselves? me. How do they live with do themselves? You, um, like even when I was slut shaming, I just never thought they were going to see it. I never wanted yeah. them to feel any pain. I just wanted to get something off my chest. Does not make it excusable. I said it in a fucking public forum. It went completely mm-hmm. viral. I'm an asshole. But I was a 22 year old who didn't understand my own issues with my own sexual abuse. Who was like projecting it in the literally the messiest way of all time. Um, I don't know, like, do you, you don't have that, right? You don't have that kind of like, I want them to suffer and feel humiliated. Um, I guess I've, I've, I've noticed that I have the capacity to do this. Right. Um, I mean, well, here, here's a tr- difficult example. In the cringe video itself, there's a section where I kind of explore these feelings in myself, talking about this viral video of a trans woman behaving badly in public. Um, right, yeah. People probably are aware the, the GameStop video was a huge viral thing two years ago. Uh, like, I don't know. Occasionally, I'll have an intense urge to bully another trans woman, and I think that it comes <laughs> from. <laughs> I think. I mean, what a sentence! But yeah. Well, no. but but I say I'm just. Like, no, I'm I appreciate to, like, your candor. I yeah, really appreciate I'm your candor, to, like, and I think mo- this is a safe yeah. space. Yeah. I'm trying to monitor the contents of my own brain, and 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 before it becomes something terribly monstrous and hurtful try to be like okay but why am i why do i feel the need to do this or like it is not because i want to um hurt the person in fact with the cringe video the person that i was kind of targeting in that video actually reacted and was hurt by oh it. shit yeah and i felt i felt guilty i felt bad um i mean i actually tried to like reach out to her and like see if she want to talk and, she, and it never came to anything but like i think this has happened to you a, a bunch of times now where, I mean, so we were talking about earlier, like you didn't learn your lesson. No, Fucking just I went for learned. me in your last video, Natalie, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, that's it. It's exactly the same thing. It's like, you should have like, you treat these people because like you're talking, because you're not really trying to, when you, when you do this, when you publish this kind of thing or you say this kind of thing or you put it on your YouTube channel, like you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to hurt this person. That's not what yeah, it yeah. is. It's not no, no, that direct. Um, like, but you sort of allow yourself to say, you somehow allow yourself to be hurtful because it's not about them. It's about you, right? Like, like at least that, that's, that's what no, I find often is. A hundred percent. It's all about all of us. Mm. It's all about us. And I, that's, I guess that's kind of like going back to me asking you, like, how do we, how do we resolve this? How do we stop the, this in ourselves? Like, that's, that's why I'm asking. Cause I'm like, this is an us problem. This yeah. is not, like, obviously if an individual is seeking to like remove the rights of someone else, or someone has sexually assaulted someone else, or someone else has taken someone else's liberty or happiness or safety, that's different. Then like all bets yeah. are off. But when someone's just having a human error or an ignorant, an accident, a clearly accidental, inconsistent with their other behavior, ignorant moment, it is an us problem that makes us jump on that shit and like rub our fucking hands together the way that a fly does when it kind of lands on your plate you know that's what we're like on the internet and uh and I've had to like really make sure to check myself to not you know like I celebrated Piers Morgan walking off good morning Britain Mm -hmm. you know when he was just being told for two seconds like oh if a woman doesn't want to have a drink with you again you'd have to troll her for three years (laughs) Meghan Markle um 
and he walked, stormed off and left his job. And I was definitely like, way. But I had to really uh, identify that afterwards and just be like, was that helpful? Did I need to say that? In the end, I've, I've left it as it is because I feel fine about it. Fuck that guy. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it's in us all. None of us well, are above it. Hierarchy is like innate in our species. Yeah, I think that, I think it's helpful to recognize that like we all kind of do this. No one's really above it. It's part of our our nature, I guess. Um, so feeling endlessly guilty about the fact that you have like the capacity to have cruel feelings about other people, I don't think that helps. I think that, um, well, like, so, so I did a video about JK Rowling, about, about all the like transphobic JK Rowling stuff. Mm-hmm. And in that video, I really did my best to be, to like, to constantly remind myself that she might well watch it. Um, I never heard anything, so I don't know if she has, but mm. I wanted to do it. She's I mean, too busy I, writing think pieces about trans too people. Busy writing think pieces about trans people to, yeah. <laughs> to bother watching videos by trans people. Yeah, yeah but, she doesn't speak like she's ever spoken to a trans no, person. Word I know. Trans speak. I think you're fine. But but still, I, I mean, it was almost like more for the sake of like being an example of how to do this than it was about right, like, yeah. oh, I'm so concerned I'm going to hurt J.K. Rowling's feelings. But which like, I'm not that concerned about it. But I think, um, I don't know. I was just, try- I just made that video in a way where I'm, I was trying to like, it would be so easy to just make, like come for her, you know? Yeah. And, but like, I don't know. I instead tried to like, you know, she wrote this, this, this cry for help of an essay about how, you know, her own experiences of sexual assault that she's seems never to have really like processed at all. And is now relating to her, her aggression toward trans people in a way that just honestly makes no sense at all. But it was mm-hmm. like, I was like, look, okay, so here's a person in pain. She's dealing with this pain by re-traumatizing other people. Okay, common. That happens all the time. But like, instead of like coming at her with like this, like, you're a terrible person. How could, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I just don't think that helps. I think trying to, because because obviously I'm not really making the video for JK Rowling. I'm making the video for the millions of people who sympathize with what she is saying. Um, And I feel that, being super morally judgmental. Well, has anyone ever changed their mind because someone sermonized at you and told you you were a terrible person? Like, I don't think I ever ever changed my mind because that was happening. So I try not to do that because it's not helpful. Um, That's why the vaccine rollout is failing because people just keep saying you're stupid. You're like a bad person. You're evil. You're uh, a MAGA Trump supporting twat. If you do like Don Lemon literally has recently gone on CNN and said they're stupid we should shame them and I'm just like I understand how you feel yeah. but I don't think that this is going to work just if history no. is anything to go by I don't know if that's how we're going to achieve what we want to achieve yeah and I think I think you can only really learn that through long experience like you sort of uh I don't know it's, it's also sort of an exercise in empathy like you have to Imagine a time I was wrong, like go through this like exercise, mm-hmm. almost like what changed my mind? Was it someone telling me I was an idiot? No. Right. Because that's like, like an ego damaging thing. And like when your ego is being wounded or threatened, the impulse is to protect, like shut down, close off. No, that, if that, if that person calling me a, a monster and a moron, 
that person can't be right because then I would have to deal with this incredibly like, you know, ego damaging truth. So you have to somehow, I don't know, persuade, like persuasion. You have to like inception it into people like, to make it feel like it was their idea <laughs> in a sense. Right. You have to give them a more like, you have to throw them like, throw them an escape rope, like, like, like a way to get out without suffering too much ego damage and calling them an idiot is not a way to do that. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack, fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. I'm going to stay trying to become a more uh, a kinder and more empathetic and more careful person. I think we could all probably stand to do that. I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are already there and probably much better people than me. So I don't mean to preach to the converted, but we are in a culture that is really congratulating the pylon and the ostracizing um uh, ostracismos, as I learned from one of your videos, uh, which is an ancient Greek term for a ostracizing yeah it's where the or is this a our, person it's no it's where our word um ostracism comes from is it's, yeah. there's this like an ancient athens this procedure of everyone just voting for someone you didn't have to have a reason someone you just wanted to exile from the city and th- th- you know you would have years, pottery right yeah you like, like- write it, write their name on a pottery shard and it could be it didn't have to be for a good reason uh see twitter in a way it's it's, it's a little more it's a little more advanced in that now we have a reason, but a lot of times the reason is not, doesn't really hold up on scrutiny. And so I think, you know, when people are participating in these massive pylons, there's a, like a lot of psychological stuff going on beneath the rational surface where we're saying, oh, this is why I hate this person. Well, well we it? have a duty to advance considering, yeah. you know, cancel, cancellation via pottery and ostracizing uh, was happening in 380 BC. So now that we're in 2021 AD, we have not, we are not allowed to uh, (laughs) do the same barbaric shit that they were doing back then. We know better. We need to do better. Anyone listening to this, if you find me slipping on the internet, check me. Uh, If you don't, I know Natalie will in one of her videos. I'm fucking joking. (laughs) Um, Natalie, I want to talk to you for 10 years. I wish this podcast could just be 10 years long with you because I have 9 billion other things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Will you please come back again sometime? I would love to. Yeah, this has been been great. So before you go, because I know you're busy because you have another doctorate to gift us with soon, will you please tell me, Natalie Wynn, what do you weigh? I weigh that... I keep trying. 
I, I, I feel that I've failed a lot of times in my life and I make, I've kind of learned to make something almost sacred about the, the attempt itself. And that to me has, uh, has been like the, the way that I, you know, live with not being perfect. And I, because I've been thinking about this lately because I just went back to playing the piano, which was the first thing I, I that was what I wanted to be my career. And I, I didn't think I was good enough. So I quit. I went to academia and then I, I quit that because I didn't like it. I, I think YouTube was about the ninth attempt at a career I ever had. And then that worked. So the same is true with, you know, learning to talk to, uh, learn to talk about these like complicated moral and social issues is that no one does it right the first time, but you keep trying and your willingness to keep trying that I feel is like where I've found a, a way that I can value myself because I'm not, I haven't done anything perfect, but I always tried to do it a little better. I think that's beautiful. I talk a lot about that on this podcast that I think that there is like, I think the true heroes are the ones who try when success isn't guaranteed. And I, I'm a big trier, a big failure. <laughs> I love yeah. a good fail. And I always think that the only true failure would be if I didn't try at all and then never found out if I succumbed to my own cowardice or ego enough to never find out if I might be at some point not that shit at something because <laughs> that's where all the color in the life comes in like so many of the exciting things that have happened to you and me have come via us risking immense humiliations yes. <laughs> and failure um and so while I totally respect that it's harder for you in some ways than it is for me or for other cis people who are in very visible uh, positions. Um, I really admire that you back yourself and you do this unusual uh, type of entertainment. You create this this unusual content for everyone and you stick to your guns and you are such an individual. And, um, and I'm so happy to have have found your work on the internet, but also so thrilled to have met you because I think you're so unique. Well, likewise. And I am very impressed that you, uh, that you had me on your show after getting less than completely fair treatment, maybe <laughs> in my video. So no, well, I, think that, you know. I think, I think that I know, I, I really, really admire that. I think I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm impressed by you, but I, I already was, I think, <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind well I think it's part of my philosophy of like my seeing you behave in a way that I found painful or like upsetting or whatever in the moment doesn't take away the fact that I can see your humanity I think you're so brilliant I love your work so much it I think I'd be a really egotistical prick to just be like no, I don't want to share this woman's amazing work with all of my followers who would probably love all of her videos uh, because she took a pop at me that wasn't, you know, the end of the world. You didn't call me a Nazi or something. No. You just made me out to be my fucking character from The Good Place, which is a bit of a sore spot for me, but that's fine. <laughs> um, regardless, thank you for coming on. Thank you for even being willing to also have that slightly awkward conversation with me and for suggesting that we have it publicly rather than just privately in a like a, you know, uh, secretive way. I massively admire you further for that. And um, I really hope you come onto this podcast 10 more times. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code iWeigh. Lastly, over at iWeigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWeighPodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. Here is an I Weigh from one of our listeners. I weigh the progress I've made despite everything from the past two years, including several mental breakdowns. I weigh my cat, who I love more than anything in this world. I weigh my two bachelor's degrees and my motivation to attend higher education. I weigh my body, which I have not been kind to, and work on mending my relationship with it every day. I weigh my extreme empathy and sensitivity and my passion to keep moving forward even when it's hard. I love these. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.